BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello and welcome back to the Artie Friends Podcast. This is Allison. And this is Kara. Today we have part two of our conversation with Dr. Chelsea Shields from last week. We talked about social wellness, belonging, and how to build a social safety net. And today we're going to talk more about the intimate side of relationships, what makes a good friend. And she has this amazing concept that we're like, um, ma'am, you need to write a book and trademark this thing of the five friends that you need. So it's very appropriate for the Artie Friends podcast. And I learned a lot just as I did last week. And we're excited for you guys to hear the second part of this conversation. Yes, absolutely. But first, of course, we're going to catch up. So Allison, what have you been up to this week? What's going on? Oh my gosh. I My world has just been rocked of the 180 vibe switch from being gone for the last month. And even right before I left for the trip, it was basically like I I was really busy at New Wave because it was the, the last days before the holidays. People are holiday shopping and I kind of left people on a cliffhanger of like what I was doing. So there was like a lot of curiosity about what was happening with New Wave. And then boom, I packed, boom, we left. And then I got home and now I'm just like, whoa. It's kind of like when you have a really hard workout or something like that. And then you stop for a second and you're like, what just happened? Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like your life was moving so fast and then you're like, okay, I have to sit down for a second. <laughs> But I was thinking about it when I was going to bed last night, how good I actually am with change and how much I love change. And I had listened to this podcast episode that talked about how if you're going to blame your parents for the bad stuff, you better blame them for the good stuff that they did too. And my parents got divorced the summer between eighth and ninth grade. And so So as a result of that, I would move back and forth between their houses like every three to four days. So I just got so used to in life, like kind of living out of always having a bag packed and moving around and being willing to go with the flow. And I was thinking how well that translated into my adult life because I can just like go from being on a trip and then go over here and go over there and like not really think much of it. So I had to blame them for the result of getting divorced because it actually, as there's bad things that came with it, but there are, there are good things that came with it. So yeah, I've just kind of been switching gears. And then the other thing I want to talk about was 
<laughs> okay, actually, yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll just say it all. So I truly had the worst pregnancy scare that I've like ever had in my life because I, I mentioned this on the cycle syncing episode with Allie, how my period is usually like a little bit late, but I was supposed to get my period on January 2nd and we were coming home from the trip and it was January 20th and like I still hadn't got it yet. And I'm like, okay, that's three weeks. It like, that is beyond just late. And so while I was on the trip, I was really starting to consider like, okay, maybe I am pregnant, but but since Clay was back home in Omaha, I didn't want to go get a test and then end up being pregnant and then have to either wait to share that news with him when he got home or figure out if I should make that a phone call. Like, I just felt like we needed to go down as a team of finding <laughs> that out, information out. And so right when we get home, I'm like, hi, love you. Also might be pregnant, by the way. So we, you know, I've had like, maybe I'm pregnant in the past, but this was the first time that I really started to consider it. And it was really good to switch my brain over into a, okay, what if this actually did happen? Like, how would this impact my life? Because I am starting to get to the age where like, that's not a crazy thing. I am 28 and a half years old. Like a lot of people have had <laughs> yeah. a kid by this point. So it was actually really good for Clay and I's relationship, I guess, to further conversations about the seriousness of our relationship. <laughs> and then we weren't pregnant. So I literally <laughs> got my period that night. And so the next day, Clay and I were like, yeah, right? Like the, I seriously think that there had to be some like hormonal thing that my body felt safe, like back home with Clay. And it was like, while I was gone, maybe in like a stress state, just because I it was like so. a different place. And then I got home with him and it was like, oh, this is my, this is my person. This is the father of my future children. And it felt safe. So then the next day, which I want to do a whole episode about this, but I finally took mushrooms and it was the best experience. I don't want to, you know, gas it up too much and make everyone feel like they need to go take mushrooms. But I have been the happiest I've ever been in my life since doing them. Like it reframed everything. And Clay and I went in like very intentional with what we wanted to get out of it. We like journaled on it. We like sat crisscross applesauce like with our hands and really talked about it. And then in the days after I reflected a lot and talked to some of my other friends who had also done it. So it has been a very fun week of opening my mind to new new things that could be in my life one way or the other and I also feel like I'm like quarantined or something because I have literally like not left my apartment in a week because I was gone for like a month doing so much, like taking all these mini trips every weekend. And this week I was just like, you know what? I'm not leaving the house. Like I've got to get organized things to do. And I just can't believe like, like I think I, Clay and I went to dinner one time. Like when I tell you I haven't left the house in a week, like literally I've just been here. You've been busy. You're working on a lot of things. Yeah, like the updates? behind the scenes stuff. Um, no, I will share with you guys next week. Okay, that sounds good. But yeah, so fun things, lots to say. Well, did you really think it was possible like with the timing? Because how long were you gone? Yes. Okay, this is the part that I was like, no, I'm definitely pregnant. I had morning sickness three mornings in a row. My mom and I went to go get coffee one morning. And when we were like leaving the house, we got in the car and I was like, I had told her, I was like, uh, okay, might be pregnant. And she was like, go get a test, go get a test, you know? And so we're like driving to go get coffee. And I was like, mom, I'm literally having a hot flash. Like I am so nauseous. I'm so unwell. And we pull up to the coffee shop and I like barely got to the coffee shop, had to open the door and was dry heaving on the side of the road for like minutes. Like couldn't even hardly stand up to like go get my coffee because I was like so off my equilibrium. And then the same thing happened the next morning. And so as it was happening, I'm like looking at my mom and, I'm, and we're like, wow, this 
this could really be happening. But I don't I don't know what that was because I wasn't sick. I think part of it, if I'm, I don't know, the the bedroom at the Airbnb didn't have a fan. And I like need mm-hmm. a fan to sleep. And so I think it just compounded. And I was like getting, I would wake up really hot in the morning and dehydrated. And so I think it just really hit me on those two days. <laughs> and with what Dr. Chelsea Shields was saying last week, which if you haven't listened, go listen, but she talks about the placebo effect. And everyone thinks that placebo means like, oh, it's all in your head. It's all fake. What she was saying is that it's actually your brain convinces like chemicals to release. Like what if your brain was so convinced that you're pregnant that chemicals and reactions like literally released and those were real experiences that you were having because your body thought it was pregnant? Honestly, maybe. Like it it was just like, hey, we're going through the process starting now. Yeah. And Clay and I so- looked crazy and the day that I like could have got pregnant it was the six week mark because uh we looked up we were literally sitting on the couch and I told him about the morning sickness thing and he's like okay well I'm gonna google when you start getting morning sickness and I would have been quote-unquote six weeks along and literally the first line of google says starting at six weeks and we look at each other and we're like oh no (laughs) (laughs) wow and I I do feel bad saying like how much I didn't want to be pregnant because I know some people really struggle with infertility and I don't mean to not be sensitive to that. I just personally, for myself in this time, would like to get pregnant in a more planned capacity. (laughs) (laughs) But you would truly be the cutest mom. I could see you like rocking overalls, baby in one arm, running the store in the other other arm. So cute. Uh, You know, Tezza, like T-E-Z-Z-A, Tezza. Mm -hmm. I feel like she has given me so much hope as a mom of how her life, she's like, I'm still going to Coachella. I'm still going to Italy. Like my life is not changing. Got Coco by my side has opened me up to being like, okay, it doesn't, I don't have to give up my life. It doesn't have to be this or that. Like I can integrate. I truly forgot she was a mom. Wow. Right? Yeah. Cause she, like, she didn't miss a beat. Obviously, I'm sure behind the scenes, there's like a lot of, a lot more to it. Yeah. But she's still just thriving. I'm like, doing her thing. Yeah. That's so true. Okay, cool. Yeah. So please tell me, how was Ecuador? Yes. Okay. Updates here. Um, Just got back from Ecuador. I think on last week's episode, I was like, maybe I'll take a trip. I don't know. We'll see. And that uncertainty was very true up until the last moment. Like literally on Monday, I was looking at flights and I just texted a few people that I thought would maybe want to go somewhere. And this one friend that I have in St. Louis, she graduated from Mizzou where I went to school last year and also works in the travel and tourism industry. She works for Marriott. Marriott. I guess it's actually pronounced Marriott. So no. whenever, Yeah, it's pronounced Marriott, which is so weird. So whenever she says it, people are like, who do you work for? She's like, Marriott. <laughs> and then they're like, oh. So yeah, she works for them. But she, I texted her. I'm like, would you possibly want to go somewhere on a trip? And she was like, yes, I'm so down. So we were looking for of course, where had the cheapest flights. And it was either Mexico, which had $300 round trip from St. Louis, or Ecuador, which was $700, um, because these flights were literally two days later. And so we were talking on Monday. On Tuesday, we booked our flights. And on, on Thursday, we left. We just knew we were going to Ecuador. We didn't know what we are going to do. And then on Wednesday, we're like, wait, the Galapagos Islands are in Ecuador. We should go there. So then Wednesday, we booked flights from Quito to the Galapagos Islands for five days. And and then back to Quito. So we did Quito for a day, Galapagos Islands for five days, Quito for another day, and then flew out. So it was a very quick trip. But oh my gosh, I loved it so much. I love South America. I love any Spanish-speaking country. I dealt major in Spanish in college. So it was really fun to get to go and 
I was doing Duolingo like up the moment we booked our tickets to Ecuador. I'm like, I have to practice. Like I have to keep practicing my Spanish. So I was doing Duolingo, got on the ground. And I usually travel with Hania, my coworker and friend, you guys all know. And she's fluent in Spanish because she's Mexican. And I, it was kind of crazy. I'm like, oh my God, this is my first trip in like a Spanish speaking country in a while without Hania. So my Spanish was really put to the test. And I'm like, you know what? This is good. This is good practice for me because I can't have Hania to like be my crutch if something's like really going wrong. I need her to explain. Like there are things that went wrong and I had to explain because Jane didn't know Spanish. Like, so that was really, that was, that was good. I enjoyed it a lot, honestly. But yeah, Galapagos Islands were insane. That's where Charles Darwin founded and studied evolution and the theory of evolution. And and so we saw so many cool animals, sea lions, blue-footed boobies. That's actually their name. <laughs> They're like birds with blue feet, turtles, uh, like tortugas or tortoises and uh, sea turtles. We saw with sharks a few times, which was so crazy. Just all the animals. It was so much fun. For some reason, even though I've been to Ecuador, but I haven't been to the Galapagos. And in my mind, I picture the Galapagos to be Avatar. <laughs> yeah. Like that's I mean, my... It, it definitely is like very untouched. I mean, there's still like the downtown and stuff is developed and stuff, but a lot of the nature is so untouched and so beautiful. It definitely looked like Jurassic Park too. That's what someone commented mm. on my photos. They're like, this looks like Jurassic World. I'm like, this is, that's right. That's definitely the vibe. So yeah, I mean, it's just a great place to interact with wildlife. I guess they don't, they're not like scared of humans. And if you saw my Instagram stories or videos, there's just like sea lions walking around downtown, walking up to dogs, trying to play with dogs, trying to be friends. It's just so cute. And they sit on the park or the bus benches and just hang out. It's so funny. That is hilarious. Did you do any fun excursions? Yeah, we did a day trip on a boat to go snorkeling and swimming in one of the islands. Uh, we were on Santa Cruz. So Isla Santa Cruz, that's one of the main ones. But yeah, then there's like all the little ones. So we did a day trip to one of the little ones called Santa Fe. And that was literally my favorite part of the whole trip. I just thrive being on a boat, love being on a boat, snorkeling. We, yeah, we saw... That's when we got to swim with some of the sharks. They were just like sleeping on the bottom. But when I say on the bottom, it was like two feet below you. Like, so you're like snorkeling like three feet above these sharks that are just like eight feet long. I honestly wasn't scared because I was like, okay, there's no way I'm going to get attacked by a shark. Like they wouldn't take us over here if these were dangerous. But like everyone was freaking out. Everyone was so scared. I, don't know, I was like talking to other people in Spanish like, tienes miedo? And they're like, si, si. But yeah, that was my favorite thing we did. So we went on a boat, went to that island, the snorkeling, saw stingrays too. It was so incredible. Other excursions, they also have like these, they're called las grietas. They're like crevices. I don't know. They're like these, it kind of reminded me of Iceland. We did like this like snorkeling thing in Iceland in between like tectonic plates. But this is kind of similar. It's like this cove, I guess, of just like the bluest, clearest water. And you kind of just like mm. swim and snorkel in between there. That doesn't really have as much wildlife, but it's just like these beautiful rock formations. And it was just like so nice on a hot day. But otherwise, we just kind of did these little water taxis to different beaches, hung out, read books. And the funny thing about this trip is I also went with a stranger. So I guess I said Jane is my friend, but we had only met and hung out once. Like I met her in November and just knew that she was fun and worked in travel. So I'm like, okay, hopefully this goes well. Cause you know, you can meet someone once for coffee and we had chatted for like two hours, but like you don't know someone really until you travel with them. So I'm so glad that I invited her and we got to do this because we're literally the same person. Like we're extroverts. We have like very similar Myers-Briggs. We never ran out of things to talk about. Just like Jane is such a chill person to travel with. And yeah, I think 20 
2023 should be the year you guys travel with strangers because I have a whole list of reasons why it's kind of a good thing. And I think I'll make a TikTok about it because I'm very pro traveling people that you don't know as well. No, and it really is the true test. Like if you go on a trip together, whether it's your partner or your friend or a stranger and it all goes well, that's like, okay, we're like real homies now. <laughs> yeah, that's a friend for life. It is. I also wanted to touch on, so you didn't really have service there, right? Oh my God. Yeah. Wait, that's another funny thing. Literally no service. Like, and Allison was so worried about me. She like texted me like on our fifth day, like, hey, I haven't seen a single Instagram story from you. And a single post. We haven't talked. Like, are you okay? I'm like, oh my God, yes. I did not get kidnapped by the seals. I am alive and well. But no, like there's literally no Wi-Fi. I mean, there is Wi-Fi. Like, yes, when you go to your hostel, you can like connect to the Wi-Fi, but it doesn't work. I think you sent me a TikTok and it literally took 10 minutes for it to load. And I, because I wanted to watch it so bad. I'm like, what is this? Like, what's this TikTok? And it took so long. So when I responded, you're probably like, oh, the cares watched it respond. I'm like, no, it took like 15 minutes. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. You did not need to use your Wi-Fi for that TikTok, but it was a no, juicy TikTok. It was juicy. It was, it was very interesting. <laughs> well, um, I was extra concerned because when I went to Ecuador, I have T-Mobile. If you guys are like looking to international travel, switch to T-Mobile and mm-hmm. use my link because with my package, so Clay and I pay $180 a month, but we have unlimited data anywhere in the world and you don't have to do anything special. So when we were in Ecuador doing the Kilatoa Loop hike, which is so remote in the middle of nowhere, I could full-blown post Instagram stories. <laughs> yeah. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, Kara hasn't like seen a message, hasn't replied to an email, hasn't posted anything. And I know when I was in Ecuador, like I had service. So is she alive? No. Yeah. I think it's just, it is just the golf ghost. Cause yes, I have T-Mobile as well. And T-Mobile rocks. Like Jane had just switched her family. Her family just switched from T-Mobile to AT&T. And she was so mad. Like, cause we landed and she had AT&T. Nothing worked. Like she had better service in the golf ghost, which was really weird than in like mainland Ecuador. But yeah, I also have two wooden. And it is nice because like when I used to have Sprint, you would have to land, go to your settings, mm-hmm. switch to like roaming, switch to all these different things. And T-Mobile is just like you land and it's already set up. So that's very nice. But yeah, no, it truly is just the Galapagos. I just don't know. I think it's just so remote that because it's like a two hour plane ride west of Ecuador and it's like super south. It's very, and it's on central time, which is so weird. So it's like actually directly below like Louisiana, I believe, or Alabama, just super south. And it's on the same line as St. Louis. So I was just directly south of St. Louis, like thousands of miles. It was very weird. Doesn't that trip you out so much? Like I love geography and I could probably place all the states on a map, but in my mind, Nebraska is below Canada, right? But like if you draw a line from the top of Nebraska, it like goes over over toward to Toronto, like horizontally. And my mind just like can't grasp that. And like you being in Ecuador, like to me, Ecuador should be way left, like under California. Right. Or like, or so honestly, to me, Ecuador should be like under Florida. Oh, <laughs> like, oh we're all, we're both all. <laughs> well, okay. Ecuador is under Florida. Now I'm looking at a map, but like the Galapagos should be like next to Ecuador. Like it shouldn't be that far West. I don't know. Yeah. It's just so far away from actual mainland. It's not that far, but it's, it is further away from mainland. So, but yeah, that is um not a place to go if you want to work remote. I saw this girl in our hostel, like working remote and I'm like, girl, how are you doing this? Like oh, this God. is... It's not working. But that's kind of a very fitting vibe for the Galapagos. Like if you go there, you're a nature lover. You're not going there to be on the internet. No, I I I wonder if they have like a force field. They're like, no, service cannot come 
come here. Stay away. Well, like service works because there's towers, right? So if there's no towers on the thing on the island, which I don't think there were, it's like, how are you going to get service? Because that's me and Jamie talking about it. Jamie was like, how is there not Wi-Fi? How is there not service? I'm like, well, you could install like a satellite or you can install a Wi-Fi router, but if there's no towers, you're not going to get service. So I'm just, I just imagine that Maybe there's like one tower, but I also know there's like Wi-Fi in the ocean. Have you ever gotten into that black hole of the the wires that run under the bottom of the ocean for Wi-Fi? I haven't gone deep down the black hole, but you just know about it. Yeah. Maybe there's just no wires. Oh my God. Miss Margo. I thought she could be in here. Making a cameo. (laughs) But I thought, I'm like, maybe there's just not wires underneath the ocean near the Galapagos. So, but I enjoyed it. I I didn't want to post about it because I didn't want to be like that cringy person. Like, we didn't have service for five days and we loved it. Like, (laughs) I'm like, okay, ew, shut up. But I mean, it was true. Like, we didn't have service for five days and we really did love it. Like, we read our books. We chilled. We talked. Like, you couldn't just sit at dinner and scroll. Like, that wasn't an option. There was nothing to scroll. It's actually funny that you say that because when I did my mushroom trip, I was really afraid that I was like going to post something on my phone. I don't know. Because you know when you're like drunk and you're an idiot and you're like, I should so film this concert every scene and put it on my Instagram story. Like I had this fear that somehow I was going to like post really dumb shit. And so I turned my phone off. And then the next day I was like, "Mm, we're going to leave that off. And I literally left it off for two full days and I only had to get it or turn it on for a quick thing to check and then I turned it back off for like 12 more hours and it was so nice. Highly recommend to anyone like even if you can just turn it off for like a whole Sunday or 12 hours you're just like oh nothing really matters like all the stress is like in my phone and if my phone's off just kind of existed in my own little world out here. No me and Jane were definitely in our own world and I agree like it was having no phone no service I guess for five days was so nice and it very refreshing. I feel like you get a clearer look on life because I do think that we use social media to kind of cloud our reality and what we need to deal with and stuff. And I don't know, it was really refreshing to not be distracted by if you have anxiety, it's like, oh, reach my phone, I'll scroll on social media, that'll make me quote unquote feel better. It's like, no, you just have to deal with things as they come. And yeah, it was it was really nice. Like I know that had been asked maybe on her podcast before. Maybe we've talked about that. Like when was the last time you didn't have your phone for a long time? So before this, I had had to have my phone for a week in 2016. I went to Haiti. Like there was no service as well. So this is, yeah, this is, I guess, the longest time since then. I guess I had it as like a camera, but truly nothing was coming through. Well, I'm glad you took the trip, tapped into that spontaneous urge, booked yeah, the flight. Definitely. As a retail shop owner, I know how important it is to have a good, reliable POS system. That's why I'm so excited about our sponsor today, Shopify. Shopify has already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. Did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source. Track everything across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers both inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. 
Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash already friends. That is all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash already friends to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash already friends. Thank you again to Shopify for sponsoring the already friends podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you guys about today's sponsor, Rosetta Stone. They're the most trusted language learning program out there. They've been experts for 30 years and millions of users have trusted them to help them learn second, third, fourth languages. And this is especially timely for me because one of my goals for the year, I literally just said this in our Patreon goal setting workshop last week, is that I want to learn Spanish. I studied German in college and unfortunately, I don't get to go to Germany or Austria very often, but I have been spending a lot of time in South America and Mexico. I spent all of January in Colombia and I loved it so much that I'm going back in April. I'm going to Tulum next week and I'm like, you know what? It is time that I really buckle down and get better at Spanish. If you also are thinking of traveling more, learning second, third, fourth languages, I can't recommend getting started with Rosetta Stone enough. If you would like to get Rosetta Stone and not put off learning language any longer, there's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Already Friends listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off for unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem 50% off at rosettastone.com today. And thank you to Rosetta Stone for sponsoring the Artie Friends podcast and helping me in my Spanish language learning journey. This episode is sponsored by Honey Love. Honey Love is revolutionizing the bra game. Can you think of a bra that you actually like to wear? One that doesn't poke you, does not hurt, and that you kind of forget that you're wearing? For me, I'm thinking of my Honey Love bra. I have fully said goodbye to wearing underwire and bulky fabric bras that trap heat. Honey Love's bras feature supportive bonding that eliminates the need for underwire without sacrificing lift. The fabric is super soft and it feels like a second skin and you'll immediately feel and notice the difference. Right now, I'm wearing the silhouette bra and I'm totally forgetting that I'm wearing a bra, but it totally lifts. It feels so supportive. It looks so good under shirts. And it's not like those bras that give you that uniboob effect when you put on a tight shirt or tight clothes. It separates, it lifts, it does everything that a bra should be doing. I'm also obsessed with the shapewear. I have the superpower thong, which is kind of like this mid-stomach shapewear piece. The way that it gives my body this hourglass shape that I did not know that I had and is so comfortable. I have traditional shapewear from a few different brands and they kind of hurt so bad. Within a couple hours, I feel like I can't breathe. But with Honey Love's shapewear, it's so comfortable. It's meant to be able to breathe, to live your day-to-day life in. And I feel like I can definitely use the shapewear for my wedding. So I'm very excited about that. So if you're ready to step into that next level comfortable bra and shapewear, it's your time to get Honey Love. Go to honeylove.com slash already friends and you can get 20% off your entire order with that link. So it's honeylove.com, H-O-N-E-Y-L-O-V-E.com slash already friends for 20% off. Make sure to use that code to show your support of the show. And thanks again to Honey Love for sponsoring the Already Friends podcast. Okay, yay. Well, that's all my updates. Um, What's your peak of the week? My peak of the week is this interview that I did with our local news about dry January. Yay. Yeah, I saw it. It turned out so good. She did do good. It healed my wound of being terrified of the media because I had two stories about me in college, and they were very—they had an angle— 
And I didn't know that there was an angle. And so I go into the interview and I was just very annoyed with what they decided to share. And it felt kind of invasive and not like a genuine, because it's the news. They, they, it has to be clickbaity. It's got to be it has to defend know, controversy. what they are trying to say. Yeah. And so I have said no to other media opportunities because of how scarring the first two were. And this one <laughs> went really well. And I was like, okay, fun. I liked that. But I had I have a very quick story about how everyone's reality is their truth. So when I was in Palm Springs, I don't want to give the whole story, but basically I was at this hotel and I was helping this woman out and me, her and my mom were having a dinner and she wanted me to go down to the hotel lobby and order our food and order her this wine. And then we were all going to eat it together. And I go down to the lobby and they had a private dinner that night. So the receptionist was like, just go to this place down the street. Like, it's really great. So I go and it was like a fancy Italian place. And I just made some executive decisions, got food and there was this liquor shop next to it. And I was like, cool, I'll just get the bottle of wine that she wanted here. Cause she had a photo of this very specific label that she wanted. So I go into this big liquor store and I show the worker like, hey, I need this bottle. And he helps me find it. It was kind of hard to find. So then we were like talking and he was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm from Nebraska, but I'm not giving him context my entire life. So he asked for my number and I was like, oh no, sir, I have a boyfriend, but you can follow me on Instagram. So he does. So fast forward this dry January article gets posted and, or this interview, and he puts on his story and he's like, liar, the media's fake. Like this girl literally bought wine for me in Palm Springs. And I'm like, oh my God, like he definitely thinks that I'm like lying right now because in his world, he's like, okay, this girl just like escaped her town in Nebraska, came to California, thought no one would know that she bought this bottle of wine and is portraying that she hasn't drank in a year and a half. And I was like, okay, you're not gonna, I don't really owe you an explanation, but like, I swear, it was like for this woman that we were having this business dinner with and he was like, that's so sus. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what to tell you. But it was just funny because in his world, like that makes perfect sense. Like that adds up more than my side, you know? Yeah, but at the same time, just because like that's your truth doesn't mean it's true. Like right. who the fuck is that guy to post that? <laughs> like that's actually so annoying. I know. People do and- that all the time. <sighs> like just assume it's called making assumptions and it's not right. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry. And so I was like having to defend myself. And then I was kind of getting... Hey, does he own the store? Does he just work there? No, he just works there. And he had like a soul patch. Like, haven't you bought wine as a gift before? I know. You go to a dinner party, you bring wine. Yeah. And he was like, then if you don't drink, why would you buy wine for someone else? And I was like, okay... It was a dinner. It was one bottle. And I was like, I'm not- makes so much sense. (laughs) Not anti-alcohol. Like people are allowed to drink. I'm not going to like at this meeting, just tell this woman she can't have her wine. So anyway, if someone saw a crazy person commenting on that video, because then he was commenting on it. So I had to like restrict and block him. Yeah, Yeah. I did. But if anyone like happened to see me arguing with a random man in my comment section, that's that's the tea behind that. (laughs) Oh my God. What a fucking weirdo. Yeah. Anyway, the the peak was the story. The uh, flip side was that backlash, but it's fine. What was your peak? Not this man trying to cancel you. And you're like, sir, (laughs) back the fuck off. Um, Very interesting. Wow. But no, the the article turned out really good and you looked really cute. I said that in your video. I'm like, you look so pretty here. Thanks. Pop off. I appreciate it. Um, I would say my peak of the week, there really isn't one because it was just like such an amazing trip. But probably just seeing all the different animals. And I don't know. It was just such a cool experience. I mean, of course, meeting Mongo. 
Mongo was our hostel owner's puppy. He was like a 10 minute old puppy. And me and him were like besties, except he would try to bite me. He was teething. Poor little guy. And so one of the days we're like, hey, uh, Victor. Victor was the hostel guy. We're like, I think Mongo maybe needs some toys. Like he needs some bones because he's teething really bad mm. and biting us. And he's like, ladies, I bought him four bones and he buries them all in the yard. Like they are gone. I cannot find them. And we're like, Mongo, you little rascal. Like... <laughs> Because we're like, this poor dog. But he's like, no, I bought him four and he has buried every single one. He's like, there's not enough money for that. Like, we can't buy him a fifth. And I'm like, honestly, true. So, oh. but yeah, he was super cute. So that was my peak. Hanging out with a little puppy. Love that. Okay. And your guys' peaks of the week. You guys sent in so many. I don't know how I'm going to choose. Okay. This one's really wholesome. Katie said, my parents drove three hours to have lunch with me. I love that for you. I remember when I was in college and my mom would come visit and it was just like, damn, parents are so good to us. Sarah said, finding an awesome team of doctors to work with for my mental and physical health. There we go. Way to take control of your goals and get after it. This one from Nanette said, one of my BFFs and I have been struggling and she finally told me she's bi. And I'm so proud of her because I know she was scared to tell me. Oh, I'm so glad that she felt safe coming out to you. And I feel like this is a good reminder for none of us to take things personal. Like sometimes you think something is about you, but really people just have stuff going on behind the scenes. Exactly. And finally, Molly said, just happy to be living life, gratitude and all that. I'm right there with you. Love that. And what a great way to end our Peaks of the Week. As always, send in your Peaks of the Week on our Instagram stories every Monday at Already Friends Podcast. Okay. So again, this is part two with Dr. Chelsea Shields. So without further ado, let's get into it. As adults, finding community is a hot topic. And something that we've talked about on the podcast is the concept of a third place. Can you talk about the importance of finding a community where you live and how that will hopefully improve your social wellness? Well, I want you guys to actually tell me a little bit about that. So I haven't been able to hear your version of what a third place means. I'd love to hear more about that. This was an episode we did quite a few months ago because we also realized after the pandemic and COVID and everyone isolating, like, wow, we've really all lost our sense of community. So I did a little research and found that a lot of us really lack a third place, which is something your home is a place, your work is a place. And then we all need this third place where we go where not working and making money. We're not at home cleaning our house, but a place where maybe we have a common denominator, which is like a yoga studio. Everyone's there for the purpose of doing yoga or some club, like you said, church and religious groups, or maybe it's even a coffee shop that you go to every day that you can have those social interactions outside of just being at your house or work. And it was a pretty good aha moment, I think, for both Kara and I that like, wow, we really need to incorporate more of these third places into our lives so that we're bumping into people that we we share things with, that we have interests, that we want to learn from each other. So I think this ties in really well with what you're saying is how much we lack that in our society now as everyone's just, oh, I'll just... I'll just go on my phone instead. I'll just watch this instead of going and doing the hard work, which is interacting with those people face-to-face. Oh, I love this idea. So maybe we can challenge all your listeners. Don't let your third place be social media, Mm -hmm. right? It could be your fourth. It could be your fifth. 
but homework, and it's got to be something else social before you get to digital. I think that's brilliant. I also think one thing that people don't understand about the digital world is that this concept of code switching. So as cultures became bigger and more diverse, we have to be able to interact with people that are radically different than us but in a setting that we are all in. So for example, at work, I don't necessarily need to know your stance on abortion or feminism or trans rights in order to get this project done. And so what we do is we code switch. At work, we talk about certain things. With our families, we talk about certain things. With our pastors, we talk about certain things. With our best friends, we talk about certain things. With our boyfriends, we talk about certain things. With our children, we talk about certain things. So we are code switching Per environment or context, this is something all humans do. It's something we're really adept at and we've learned. Now, it doesn't mean you're not being authentic. It means that in this setting, it would be disrespectful if I swore. But with my best friend, swearing is just part of what we do. It makes it more casual and more intimate. So not every way of going about the world is always good. If I tried to teach my anthropology classes from a place of pure authenticity and like, hey guys, be my friend, they would not listen. They would not learn. And so I need to teach that from a place of confidence and authority in order to have a better outcome. So understanding your environment and your role within that environment and being able to code switch, again, is hardwired in us. Now, what happens in social media is all of those worlds that made up your personality, that you could have a really relationship with that uncle, even if you didn't like the way he voted, and you can have a relationship with that colleague, even if you didn't agree with his religion, right? You were able to have these weak connections with diverse populations because of code switching. Now, what happens in the digital social world is all of that rich diversity, boom, becomes flattened. Now you have to be the same exact person in all situations. And all of those people now know exactly who you are and what you think about these things. And this is why some of the conflict between social relationships, I don't want to be friends with anyone who voted for Trump. I don't want to be friends with anyone who would fight against abortion. But I never even knew those people felt that way before. And we got along fine. Mm -hmm. But it's because we have flattened this like code switching. And so people are really struggling with this concept of authenticity because to be fully authentic gets you in trouble in so many other settings, whereas you probably wouldn't have had that problem if you weren't having to post all your private feelings online. And so being aware of kind of code switching is important. And I think that third place is huge. So I can code switch at home. I can code switch at work. And I need that third place to go where I can just be a woman or I can just be a body in an exercise class or I can just be in nature or I can just paint or whatever the thing is that you want to switch into and you don't have to worry about these other things. I just want to be around people who like pets right? And I don't care who they are. That's my third place. So being able to code switch is huge. And so if we don't have that third, fourth, fifth place, then that's why we're getting somewhat stuck in even our own identity of like, well, yeah, I feel all these things, but who do I share it with? And how much do I share? And how do I be authentic in certain settings? And we just get really confused with our digital worlds. So I kind of recommend to people, you know, look at your social media, if you're going to keep it as a marketing platform, that's what businesses do. So if you want to be really healthy about what the platform was developed for, it wasn't to make friends. It was a marketing platform. So if you can start viewing, you know, your platforms as like a networking or marketing platforms, uh, like your LinkedIn, I think it would be super healthy. 
And then if you create, you know, those third, fourth, fifth places that are physical, that allow you to code switch, that allow you to keep friendships with people that are radically different than yourself, that's that glue that coheres a society, right? We fall apart when we start thinking we're different than each other. We stay together and we start finding the points that were similar to each other. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest issues I see with our society is that we all feel like you find one thing that someone posts online, like you're saying, and then all of a sudden you hate that person and you want to go to war with them. And it's like, you're so right. There's just so many more things that you have in common. But I don't know, all those things pile up on top of each other, like the outrage, social media videos and all these opinions and stuff. I feel like it's just, yeah, why we're at the point where social needs are not being met. So I do want to ask you rapid fire or just off the top of your head, what are some of your best tips for someone who is inspired to improve their social wellness and get out there and have a net, a safety net that has 10 people in it? Like what can they do to get there? Okay. I did write a couple things on that. Before I kind of tell you kind of how to like improve your social life, I do want to make a comment that our social worlds have failed us. And that's why we're turning to social media. Like our churches lied to us and abused us. Our politicians lied to us and took our money. Our teachers didn't always tell the truth. So most people in their lives can look back and have failed social, all of those things I told you to code switch. Like some people have failed families. Some people have failed religion. Some people have failed governments. Some people have failed. I mean, I've done activism work where it's totally failed. And I was like, that was horribly toxic where you think you're doing something good. And it's like, it totally falls apart. So I don't want people to think that community is always good. There's also a downside to community. So what I want you to look for when you're looking for community is kind of the look for healthy community. So community can be a double-edged sword. Just like that's what I think social media is. It's, there's too much comparanoia. There's too much. And it's like hurting us. So any community can be like that. So I like to tell people, you know, find a tribe that doesn't put you on the periphery of the social group. So if when I was Mormon and I was feminist and pro-gay rights and I was on the periphery, it was really hard to be along a, be a part of the group when you're on the periphery. It actually causes, if you're in the middle of a social group, you have a lot of social capital. If you're on the periphery, you're right at the boundaries there. And you actually, people naturally push against the people at the boundaries so that we all stay closer to the center. So it's kind of unhealthy to be a part of a community if you're at the periphery. It kind of harms you. So if you're going to join a community, make sure you're at the center, that you believe in it all, that you love it, that you can gain social capital, that you're not losing social capital. I don't want anyone to join a community where they're already starting out losing social capital or getting discrimination. That's not healthy. That's, in fact, discrimination, rejection, uh, feeling you know poorer than people, inequality. All of those things have a physical uh, reality that harms your health. So being on the periphery of a community is bad for you, okay? Or being discriminated or being harmed socially. So don't don't join any community where that's happening or leave, leave immediately now any community where that's happening. It is harming your health. The second one is, you know, don't join any community where they expect you to follow rules that they do not. Okay, and so I think that's some of the things we hate the most about how our communities have failed us is we're paying our taxes, but our leaders are not. We're being moral, but our leaders are not. We are not harming others, but this person is, right? So 
don't ever join a community where you're you're being told to do one thing and the leaders are not. That That's something I have found, whether it's an MLM or whether it's a religion or whether it's an activist group or whether it's a politician, like any group I find where the leaders are doing something and then telling people to do another thing, they're benefiting off those people. So don't do that. Uh, the third one is don't join any tribe or community that takes more than it gives. You got to have that reciprocity. So sometimes we we leave communities because we find we're doing all the work and what am I getting out of it? So that reciprocity is really important to giving you what you need out of that community. Am I getting what I'm putting in here? And that's even with friendships. Am I doing to others? You know, am I getting what I'm doing unto them and vice versa, even the positive things because you need that back. And then the fourth thing I would say, just if you're really looking for a community is don't join a community that defends or is proud or not ashamed of abuse, discrimination, harm, isolation, rejection, racism, anything in a social community that is uh, kind of harming someone else is a really unhealthy start. So, and we, and communities do that in group out group because it's the quickest way to bond people. But to me, that's a really kind of rotten way to start a healthy community is by having, you know, isolating and banishing certain groups of people. It starts from a root of discrimination and discrimination has a physical toll on the body. As this is the Artie Friends podcast, what advice do you have for people who are really looking to make those deep, authentic friendships? Or even, like you said, acquaintances that maybe you're not a ride or die, but they're in your circle. So I would say first thing is to look inward. So, and I feel this way even about, they did a, you know, 40 year, 12,000 person study on marriage. What makes marriages last? There's everything from religion to money, to personality types, to kids, to where they lived. And they could not find a pattern of what makes relationships last and happy. Not just last, but happy. And so the researchers got together and they studied every little thing. And the only pattern they found was that people who were happy before the marriage tended to stay happy and tended to make their partner happy and tended to have a happier marriage. People who were unhappy before the marriage tended to be unhappy in the marriage, tended to bring their partner down and tended to end up leaving that relationship or saying it was unhappy at the end. So what that tells me is you're going to bring whatever you are into this next relationship, whether it's a friendship or a partnership. So take the time now to work on yourself. And what that means is improve your social intelligence, improve your emotional intelligence, figure out what nonverbal signals you're sending out into the world that's either helping or harming you in that. Be conscientious of how you communicate. I think as we do less sociality, we kind of just show up in the world and we're kind of bumping around in a way that we didn't before we had social media, right? Before social media, we kind of really paid attention to what we wore. We paid attention to what we talked about. We paid attention in social situations. I find that even with college students now is like they're paying more attention to how they look and how they interact on what they're posting because they have, there's a lot more people that will see them, right? But then we're going to class in sweats, and, and, and again, how I'm seeing that is you're investing and preparing more for your digital social relationships than you are your physical social relationships. And I don't want you to do that. I want it to be opposite. So that's kind of the first thing is just take responsibility for your own social life. If you know, take responsibility, no one else can do it for you. It doesn't matter if you have one good friend, like she needs to do that for herself. So you need to curate who you let into that social life. You need to stop inviting people in who make you feel bad. You need to bring people in who make you feel good. You need to start working on your 
yourself in terms of how how good of a friend am I? What am I contributing? Am I someone someone would want to be friends with? Am I, you know, and just really kind of a hard look at yourself. Um, so number one, take care, you know, figure out yourself. Uh, the second one is build upon your favorite relationships. So this is the easiest one and I think the best one. I got off social media about five years ago and the first thing I did was look through my phone of who I had texted or called in the last couple months. And I just started texting them and calling them more, started inviting them to things. Clearly, these are the friends that beyond, you know, iMessages and like little direct messages or whatever, these are the friends I'm actually communicating with on a daily basis. So however you figure out who those are for you, work on making every one of those stronger and more reciprocal, meaning test it out. You know, I give, they take, they give, I take. So if you're just giving, 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 and they're not, and they're just taking, 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 that's not going to be a reciprocal relationship. Right. So you definitely want to invest, but you want to make sure it's a reciprocal relationship. And even if it's a partnership, I find that a lot with uh, partnerships in the fact that like, you know, it wasn't reciprocal what I put into it and what I'm getting out of it in a, in a dating relationship as well. That matters. So make sure both of you are kind of taking care of yourselves. And then your primary focus is how do I take care of this other person? And what you want to see in that is that that other person's responding that way. So you're healthy, they're healthy, and you're both giving to each other. That, that like quadrant <laughs> is what creates the healthiest of relationships is you're both happy on your own. And then your goal is to kind of caretake and give a and kindness and like space and like help this other person that that's your goal too and what you want is for them to be doing that too if all they're doing is taking then that's going to become a negative social relationship because we know sociality has both sides positive and negative so what we're trying to do is not quit when it gets negative so if you left a community because it was negative that doesn't mean go isolate that means find a better community if you had a toxic friend that hurt you or a boyfriend that hurt you or a girlfriend that hurt you it doesn't mean the pain is so raw that you're like I'm not going to date again no that's it means you need to be pickier about who you choose. That's an evolved mechanism to help you be smarter about who you're choosing so that they're being more reciprocal with you. And it's a lot easier to see that at a beginning of a relationship than once you've known someone for a very long time. So that's why I want you to start looking for that reciprocity right away. I also stand behind this. Number three, I stand behind the concept of hurt people, hurt people, and healed people, heal people. So make sure that, you know, you can go to your friends to help you heal. That's not a problem if it's reciprocal. But don't use your friends as a place to like uh, unburden your emotions necessarily. Don't use your family or your siblings or the people that you want in that social safety net. They are not necessarily the people that you want to bring down all the time. And you want to make sure, and sometimes we're meaner to our closest people than our acquaintances. And I want you to do opposite that, right? So whoever is in that six, five to six social safety network and that 15 to 20 of kind of that looser network, I want you to be radically kind to all of them. And I want, because what that does in return is now they're super kind to you. And then that feels really good. So definitely that's part of like working on yourself as well. For I, I don't have this one. I recently got divorced. So it does break my heart a little bit, but find your emotional support human. So I always think of Grey's Anatomy and like Meredith and Christina and like your person. And I think that's important. I don't care if it's a female, a friend, a partner, a lover. I think it's important to have someone that like cares how your day was 
and have someone that like you can go to for things. It's a little closer than anyone else that you really do have someone for you. So if you don't have that, you know, I say you, you find that you find that in someone that you can trust right now. And eventually that's what we are looking for in a pair bonding or a marriage or a relationship type of, of even if it's platonic, what we're really looking for is that emotional support human that's going to, you know, caretake me while I caretake them. And we're going to be there for each other through some of the hard stuff. And then finally, people, humans are really good anti-stressors. They're like the antidote for stress. Okay. Not all the time because remember people can cause stress too, (laughs) but um, in terms of like reducing stress, humans are great. So until you are able to get that regular social interaction, what I encourage people to do is lower your stress. And this is what all the health people tell you, but I'm doing it from a social wellness perspective. So I think you should laugh 20 minutes a day or two hours a week. So I used to go to stand-up comedy. I used to, I love laughing. I watch stand-up comedy. Um, When you're doing a guttural, real laugh, you cannot feel unsafe. So what that does It's almost like meditation for us that it takes us from stressing about the past, uh, anxiety about the future. It takes us right into the moment. So laughing is really good, kind of like meditation to put us in the moment, to realize no lions are chasing me right now. No one is going to, you know, murder me right now. I'm good environmentally. I'm good socially. And I can live in this good for a minute. And it's really healthy for your body. And so meditate is really healthy for your body as well to be in that present uh, state of mind. Um, Touch five minutes a day touch or one hour a week. And if you're alone, massages count. So, you know, touch is really important. So if you're, if you're lacking that, let's find some ways to get it. And I think escape is okay. I think it's okay to escape in a book, in a movie. I, you know, I wouldn't say do that every single day, but I do think it's, it's totally okay. In fact, the book, um, social by Matthew Lieberman, which I'm recommending to you guys, which is so, so, so good. It's about how our brains are wired to connect and how uh, human nature the foundation of human nature is sociality. And he does all of these studies where he finds that when they put people in fMRIs to see what happened when you turn off the brain, that they found that it never turns off. It actually goes into a default mode where you're practicing being social. Now we call this daydreaming. We are thinking about something social we did in the past and trying to correct it or fix it or what could I have done? Or we're thinking about potentially something social in the future and we're practicing for it. So even when our brain is kind of turned off, we're practicing being social. That's what our daydreams are. So our sociality is so, so important. And I just kind of, maybe that's the last thing I'll leave you with is you are hardwired to be social. And so as we start to invest in these things with other people, we find the good ones, you will see your life radically improve way more than trying to face these addictions on your own and get rid of all of them without getting that social buffer happening. I have two summarizing thoughts that I just loved that you said. Finding friends that are, what do you say, at least 10 years younger and at least 10 years older. So broadening the age range of people, I think, you know, that brings more experiences, more perspectives, helps you be more open-minded. So I love that you said that. And I love that you said after you have, say, a bad friendship breakup or a bad romantic breakup, that doesn't mean never have friends again or never date again. And I do think so many of us, that is our, our default mode. Like, okay, I just need a break from friends. I need a break from dating. But I guess 
guess it is just reaffirming your loneliness instead of telling you, no, there are great people out there that are there for you. It's funny because I do these huge, large kind of TED conferences and I'll ask the whole room, 2,000 people, what is your, the most pain you've ever experienced? Was it physical or social? Every single person, social. And the reason why, again, we're hardwired. That breakup is supposed to feel devastating because this could have been the difference between life or death on the Pleistocene. So I'm an outcast now, that breakup. I don't have that person bringing me the meat. I don't have someone to protect me. I don't have someone to provide for me. Oh my heck, I'm supposed to feel unraveled and crazy and it's supposed to hurt and you're supposed to remember it. So the next time you're looking, you don't pick that same person because clearly something with that person did not work and that's why it hurts so bad. And yet instead of understanding the adaptation of like, okay, this is going to make me pick a better person next time and next time. And so evolutionarily wise, it's a great adaptation. It's going to make me have a better partner eventually. But instead we get so overwhelmed from the pain that we avoid partnerships, which is the exact opposite of why that evolved. Wow. Truly fascinating. Yes. Okay. I think we can go into our last question to you, Dr. Shields. What makes a good friend? So I wrote a list of things that I think make a good friend and then I'll read those off. And then I do have a list of people that I think five friends you need in your life. So maybe people can actually go out and look for those and see if they have those. So maybe we'll end with both of those. So how to be a good friend. And again, this is less based on research. This is just Chelsea, not not Dr. (laughs) Shields. These are my opinions. Okay. So take it with a grain of salt. I didn't do research on what makes a good friend. I think the first one is openness, curiosity, the ability to to hold space for them, to actively listen. So I believe being heard and feeling like you belong and you're accepted is a fundamental thing we all want. And in order to give that to someone, that means being open and curious about them and allowing them just to talk and be and accepting them for who they are. And so the way to do that in my in my world is to be open and curious, to keep that open mind. So instead of having just a, a friendship that's older or younger, you should always have a friend that's of a different ethnic race than you or grew up in a different country than you. We often get like national cultures that people are like, that's so American. And they're like, oh my gosh, it is. I never thought of it that way. Right. So keeping that openness, keeping that curiosity, bringing in, you know, people that you otherwise, you know, maybe aren't connecting with now is going to be a really good thing for your friendship. The second thing is that warmth, that empathy, kind of compassion, kindness. It's something that's lacking in the world. It's something we all want. We all walk around this world being like, love me, take care of me, like me, please. But we'd never say anything like that. So giving someone warmth and kindness is giving them that. And that's going to start a great friendship right there. So if you're giving someone openness and the ability to be themselves, and you're also giving them warmth and empathy, they're getting belonging, they're getting acceptance, and they're getting kindness and compassion. Now, and that's something that they want to come back for, as well as you're going to be uplifted from that and hopefully get that too. Um, And that's the reciprocity is the third thing. Definitely make sure that your relationships are reciprocal, make sure you're giving, make sure that the other person isn't just taking, learn about that really quickly. That's what's going to hurt at the very end is why we 
we end up usually kind of breaking up or toxic friends is we find that we someone is taking more than they're giving. And that in our brains is a hard no. Because in the Pleistocene, if someone was only taking and you were only giving, you were getting taken advantage of. And in a in, if there is a drought or if there is a, a problem, you are going to get screwed, not that person. So we're really sensitive to that. So do pay attention to that. Protection, I do think having friends that keep your secrets, that immediately hate the person that was mean to you, that has your back, that they always assume the best about you, I think is really important. I had some friends who would kind of assume the worst of me. I'm like, why would you think that? You're my friend, you know? And I think that it kind of hurts, right? So find those friends that are like, I have some friends that are like, yeah, if you showed up and like, we need to bury a body, I'd be like, okay, let's go. Here's my shovel. I wouldn't (laughs) even question you. And I'm like, "Mm, you got to be my friend for life, right? So find those people who kind of assume the best of you. And then the last thing, and I think we don't pay enough attention to this, is you got to have a friend who's, you're just, you got to be a friend who's fun, playful, uh, new, unexpected, novel, original. Like part of why we seek social interactions is because things are boring and they're the same. And we need someone to think differently than us and to take us to a different party than we would have gone to and to do something that we would have never tried and vice versa. So I don't think we can forget that fun part of friendship, which is why we wanted to friends in the first place, you know, and that's, what's going to keep kind of the energy alive is as you're both kind of bringing in these fun elements. And then I'll just kind of end with, you know, the five people I think you need in your life. This is another book I want to write someday. Uh, and if that these become kind of your social uh, stress antidotes, if you have these five people and kind of your safety net, if you have these five people, uh, again, I would encourage them, at least one of them to be 10 years old or 10 years younger or more. I encourage at least one of them to be raised in a completely different culture than you were raised in and or a different ethnicity than you are and or a different body size than you are and or a different ability as you are. So anything intersectional that helps you develop a really reciprocal, kind, loving relationship with someone very different than you is going to be great for you. So when that said, here are kind of the five people I think you need in your life. So the first person you need is someone who is wise. They're going to tell you the truth. They're going to give you hard knowledge and they're going to give you what we call clarity and information. So all the antidotes to stress. So stress is created by uncertainty, a lack of knowledge, feeling unsafe, and having no control or not seeing a way out, not having growth or progress. So that's what causes stress. So these five people I'm recommending are actually the opposite of that. So your wise friend will help you have information, will help you have clarity, will help you see beyond just what you're able to see. They're really going to be able to kind of help you feel like I have the information I need to make the decisions I need to make. And if you don't have a friend like that or a mother like that or a sibling like that or someone who you can really, really go to, then you're lacking that. And part of your stress is caused by you're like, I don't think I have enough or I don't think I've been able to process the information. I don't think I'm the one who can handle this. So you need that wise friend. So if you don't have a wise friend, who do you? Who would you go to to be a mentor? Who would you go to for advice right now? Whose advice or ideas or would you trust? Whose life do you like and you want to replicate? Find that person and then become friends with them. The second person, most of us have this one. This is an unconditional friend. So this is someone who has seen you through different periods of your life as you molt your skin and you grow. So people often say you're going to have three marriages, no matter if you stay with the same person or not, because we grow a lot before we're 30. We grow a lot from 30 to 50. We grow a lot from 50 to 70. We grow from 70 to 90. So 
You need someone who can be with you through all of those transitions and or you need someone who is just going to be unconditionally loving and on your side. That gives you belonging, that gives you stability, and it gives you what's lacking when stress happens, which is uncertainty. So if you have that person who will love you no matter what, that gives you certainty. That gives you trust. And so you need that in your life to kind of t- you know, take off that hypervigilance. If I have no one, if I fall, I'm und- you know, no one will love me. You have that person. Right? I think of Sex in the City when Carrie admitted she had an affair and Kim, oh no, her name's not Kim, Samantha said, uh, you know, don't you want to judge me was what Carrie said. And Samantha said, not my style. I'm not going to judge you. Now I would go to her with all my sins, right? <laughs> so you want someone who can see the shadow side of yourself too and love you. You don't have to be perfect. Perfect. Now, you don't necessarily want all your friends to see that side of you, but you need at least one of them to really see all of you and give you that certainty and that trust. So that's your two that are important. Your third one that's important is just your fun friend. Okay, that person will give you play, novelty, spontaneity, laughter. And again, what play allows us to do is feel safe. You can't feel unsafe and stressed when we're laughing, when we're in the moment, when we're being imaginative. All of a sudden, when we're able to do all those things around other social people, we feel super safe because we're able to be silly and still be included. And so that gives us safety. So right there, stress antidotes. We have clarity, we have certainty, we have safety. And the fun friend, I have a friend like this and I would always get upset when she kind of had a boyfriend and dumped me. <laughs> and I'd be like, mm, like, this isn't fair. I want her to be my best friend. And like, then she just disappears and it was like causing some issues. And I, once I kind of came up with, it's like the friends you need, now she's just my fun friend. Mm-hmm. And she's great at that. And I don't have that. I'm not the fun friend. I need the fun friend to tell me what to do and then I'll go do it. I'm the I'm down friend, but I need the fun friend. And now I'm not as upset that she you know, isn't as dependable or isn't my unconditional friend. I'm okay with like, this is what she brings and she's fucking great at it. And I love her for that. So have a fun friend. Fourth, have a capable friend. Now this is the friend I am. (laughs) This is the friend that gives you control. So this, and we often feel out of control. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. This is the friend that will show up. They're not good at listening, but they'll give you a 10-point strategy and three plans you could take. This is the friend where you call and you're like, I need to plan a birthday party or a funeral in under 24 hours. I'm like, I got you. And they literally got you from food to decorations to like, they got it. You know, this is just the friend who's going to take care of things. And you can trust them that they will help you put your life back into control. They'll help you feel control of your life. And they are the friend that you need when you really need something done. Now, that might not be the fun friend. So it's that person that's just radically capable, that's going to help you feel like more control over your life. And then the last thing we need in our lives is uh, beyond, you know, uh, clarity, certainty, safety, and control is we always need to feel like we're growing. So that's one of the reasons if you've like, I figured out life, it's great. You're never just happy. That's one of the things we all think we're going to get to a place, whether that's retirement or when we, you know, I'm going to get a partner that helps me pay the bill so I'm not stressed about rent every day. Like, I'm going to get this person that helps me here. And you feel like you can kind of like, oh, when I get here, I can relax. Like, I don't have to work. I don't have to progress. I don't have to, um, like, I don't have to prove my worth constantly. We all think there's going to be a day, a fairy tale day, where we don't have to grow or progress. And that's not it. No one has ever found it. Some of the most successful people in the world are constantly mad at them 
themselves. So we have this hardwired just to keep us, you know, on top of the social status to always be progressing and growing. And so if we don't have someone that inspires us in that way, then we are going to stay where we are and still feel bad about it. So that's the fifth and last friend I think you need. I think everyone needs one person in their life that just is aspirational, that they want to be someday. They're like, dang, I wish I made that much money. I wish I was that smart. I wish I was that put together. I wish I had that style. That's your leadership. That's your hope. Like I, when I lay down at the pillow at night and I don't have hope or I'm not excited about anything, nothing makes me worse, you know, feel worse than when I have a goal or I'm like, oh, I want to do that. I want to be that. I want to become that. All of a sudden we kind of have that optimism and that hope back in our life. And I think we're missing a lot of that. So anyway, those are kind of the five friends I think everyone needs in their life that are kind of your social stress antidotes. The wise friend, the unconditional friend, the fun friend, the capable friend, and the aspirational friend. And so I would go through your context list and figure out which of those you already have. And then, you know, you know, fill the spaces of the ones you don't. I love that. You have to write that book. I would read it immediately. Oh, yeah. good, good, good. Please get on that. Everything <laughs> you're saying, you are I know, so I need intelligent. To write. See, I'm so bad at books, but I need to do it. This information has to get out. Well, if you need a project manager, some marketing person to help you along the way, reach out to us because I would love to see this come to life because a lot of the things you're saying, you can tell you're so passionate about and you're so knowledgeable on. And I can truly see you changing the world with the way you're conveying this information. So I just want to see you do that. So, Well, once I get uh, a book out there, I'll definitely come back on and we'll promote it. How about that? Love it. Okay. Yeah. So please tell our listeners how they can support you, where they can find you, all the good things. Absolutely. So you can find my TED Talk on, you know, how is your social health? Let's measure it um, at TED.com. Um, just look up Dr. Chelsea Shields or measure your social health. And then when it comes to business, branding, qualitative research, that's the company I own. Um, it's called Branthropology. Um, we're working on the new website right now. So really the best way to contact me is on LinkedIn. Um, just Chelsea Shields is, is my name. And yeah. We do uh, corporate uh, qualitative research and evidence-based rebranding. So basically what that means is if there's a huge company that wants to rebrand or even a huge influencer, let's say, we definitely don't want to lose all of the things that they've been able to acquire so far, but we know they need a transition in terms of identity, control, thought leadership, mind share, like brand positioning, aesthetics, etc. So it's just, it just takes a lot of research to figure out where are the places we can change and what are the things we need is keep the same in order to keep all the people that love you as well as helping them grow up with you and become the new brand. Wow. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on our show and share your immense knowledge. This was so powerful for both myself and Kara. And I know our listeners are going to learn so much from this conversation. So thank you so much for taking the time. Absolutely. I'm glad. I'm glad I was able to share it. All right. That was another episode of Already Friends. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Already Friends. We want to tell you guys, what is our favorite thing in this world? Getting Apple and Spotify reviews. So to thank you guys, when we hit 500 reviews on Apple and Spotify, we're going to give you one of your favorite things. And we're going to tell you what it is. It's a $50 gift card to wherever you want. Please, come on. We're desperate. We're literally dreaming up these reviews in our sleep. Got to help us get there. We want to keep creating great Already Friends podcast shows for you guys. We need those reviews. So don't make us beg, all right? <laughs> So leave a rating, leave a review, screenshot it, send it to us. And yeah, when we hit 500, we'll pick two of you guys to get a $50 gift card to wherever you choose. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you in the review section of our show. Love y'all. Love ya. Bye.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.